by Riverside. Welcome to Garage Takes Season 3, Episode 7. Joined here with my co-host, Brant. I want to welcome everybody to the podcast. And if you have not done so already, make sure you like, follow, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, make sure you hop over to our YouTube channel as well and hit that subscribe button as we are dropping short video clips from each podcast episode each week, whether that's about the Lions, Michigan football, or something in between. Make sure that you go and check that out. This episode, particular brand, we've got to talk Lions. Um, incredibly disappointing loss to, to open the season at home after such a, a great win in Kansas City. And then I've got to talk about Michigan football as well. I'm just not sure what to uh, to make of this team right now, so I want to get your thoughts on that. But before we get into it, how are you doing tonight? Dave, I'm doing fantastic. I do got a question for you. Um, I know that you went down and tailgated uh, for the Michigan game Saturday. What did you think of the tailgate, man? It was awesome. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It, it was awesome. The energy around Ann Arbor was was great. And Kate and I took the took the big kids to tailgate and met up for my sister in law's birthday, and we just had a had a great time. And honestly, just seeing them in that environment is just fun and to be honest the older i get it was kind of nice to just come home and then like watch the game on on the tv so it was the perfect day for me yeah absolutely man hey uh on sunday i don't know if i told you this or not but i went to uh one of those sports books like one of those uh actually like up at soaring eagle where they actually have like the kiosks and stuff so um, dangerous yeah <laughs> yeah kenzie and i went for our uh, anniversary which is today obviously happy anniversary <laughs> thanks yeah shout out to the wife uh absolutely but um so anyway i'm into the the kiosk situation i've already made like bets on FanDuel before um you know before we went to the sports book here's a little fact for everybody out there if you go do this you actually cannot access any of those exterior apps outside of like um, the Soaring Eagle app or whatever. So if you're trying to like cash out a bet on FanDuel, you cannot do it at the casino. I will tell you that. I found out that the hard way, dude, um, as I had something I wanted to cash out. Uh, but you can't do it at there, dude. They absolutely kill those apps on site. Wow. Yeah, the Lions should consider doing that to avoid future <laughs> suspensions from their second-year uh, wide receiver, Jameson Williams. That's crazy. I didn't know that, but I guess it – I mean, I guess it makes sense. I don't know. Yeah, Whatever. it makes that's, sense. Uh, I get it. That that's that's cool though. Glad you guys did that. Happy anniversary to you and Kenzie. Um, you are a lucky man. She's a great. You did a, you did a good job, man. So let's. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Dave. You're welcome. Let's hop into this though. Um, I gotta start here with the Lions. So. Brent, you know I'm super high on this team, have been. Um, I think you are too, maybe not quite as high on this team as, as me, which is fine. That's why there's chocolate and vanilla in the world. Um, but I want to ask the question, and I, and I know this is kind of an overreaction after just a, a week two loss, and losses in September, much different than what the season looks like in November and December. But have your expectations for this Lions team 
changed after this week two loss? Um, why or why not? Um, do you have them in the top tier of the NFC? I'm going to say still just for me because I have said that I have them in that top tier. Um, I'm not sure that you have, so I'll toss that out there as well. And really what I'm talking about are the three other teams that I think everybody would agree about right now, which is the 49ers, Eagles, and the Dallas Cowboys. So let's start there, Brent. Have your expectations for this Lions team changed after an overtime loss at home to the Seattle Seahawks? So my expectations have changed just slightly, Dave, because last week I told you I was buying them as NFC contenders. I'm going to take a step back right now and say, That gave me cause for concern. I am slightly concerned about what I saw on Sunday, and I think that's very valid. Like, um, there were certain things from the the defensive pressure, like you got to Geno Smith really one time the entire game, um, you know, right before the two-minute warning where he ran backwards for like 20 yards for for no reason, really. Um, But outside of that, I mean – you can complain about the holding stuff and the referees, but like, let's not get into that really, Dave. Uh, let's focus more on like what we saw. And what we saw was a defense that once again gave up 37 to the Seahawks. Like, I feel like we talked about this on the last podcast about last year and what the Seahawks game kind of did to them mentally. Kind of the same thing here, Dave. Like, Kenneth Walker kind of had his way. Gino did his thing. Tyler Lockett obviously ate like he was open. It felt like in the end zone all day long, whatever. I just saw some things defensively that give me cause for concern, whether you're playing the Cowboys or the Eagles or the 49ers for that matter. They're not in that tier yet. And I'm comfortable saying that there is a tier that they're in, but it is the second tier compared to those three other teams. Um, By the I, I just really want to emphasize that I still think this is a playoff team. I think this is a playoff contender. I think they potentially could make some noise, but I'm not sold on. I'm not banging the table at all, Dave, and saying, hey, this is an NFC championship caliber team. And um, I think I think we go back to talking about Dan Campbell a little bit too. You know, he goes for it on the fourth down earlier in the game, or, or I guess it might have been in the third quarter, where it was the fourth and four. And he kind of gave Seattle the ball right there at midfield. It was like, dude, <laughs> come on. Some of these fourth down decisions, I, I can't get behind all the fourth down decisions at all, Dave. And some of the stats are kind of gaudy. Like he's gone for it more than any other coach, twice twice as much as any other coach in the NFL. So I think those are some of the things that like Dan Campbell and this defense give me cause for concern. The way they're using Jameer Gibbs, I know I'm going to get into a little bit of that later, but I, I do have cause for concern for this team, Dave. Yeah, I, I think that my my cause for concern right now, Brent, as a starting point are just the injuries to this team. That outside of this just being a week two loss, there and I know some of these guys aren't out for necessarily a long time, but the story of this game was not good. You lose David Montgomery, who I think I just texted you guys like, I don't know, 10 minutes before he got hurt. and was like, I love Monty. I love the way he runs the ball. He's a hard-nosed runner. I think he is just like the perfect replacement for Jamal Williams and an upgrade to, to do the same type of thing. And then he gets hurt. Now, it sounds like a thigh bruise. Um, that may sound like it's nothing on the surface level. You know, they could say he he could be back this week. 
I think the reality is he he probably misses at a minimum one week, possibly two weeks. Now that is against the Falcons and Packers. You can argue that those are okay games for him to miss, but I mean we're going to talk about the Falcons here in a in, in a minute, and um, I don't think any of these games are going to be a walk in the park. Vitai goes down. That that was not good, and then most notably, C.J. Gardner Johnson. I mean, it sounds like you've lost him for the for the season. As we're just kind of hyping him up, talking about the ski mask and all of the just type of dog mentality that he brings to that defense. You lose him. Um, that's huge. There's somebody else I'm forgetting too. I feel like that. Oh well, and then you have Amon Ross St. Brown, your star receiver. I mean, he played through an injury, but, I mean, they're taking soles out of his shoe, putting steel plates in there. Like, it was a mess. Like, he did not look good, and then he was cramping up. Um, I mean, he looked good from a talent stamp standpoint. That's not it. But just his overall health in an already thin wide receiver room, Taylor Decker, Dan Campbell gave an update today. He basically told uh, reporters I wouldn't expect to, to see him back necessarily anytime soon, at least not this week. So, yeah, these injuries James Houston pile, as well. Do you lose James Houston for at least eight weeks? Sounds like, yeah, fractured ankle. So, I mean, Brand, these are these are not names that were like, well, next man up, next man up. Now, I, I get that. That's the mentality of the team as it should be. But we're we're kidding ourselves if if we're saying no, it's not a big deal, it's not a big deal. The issue with this team is is definitely not a not from a talent standpoint of the of the starters. Now the where the issue of this team is, and I recognize this even before the season started, is just questions about the depth. Just because of where they're at in this restore or whatever you want to call it, they've added some elite talent and credit to Brad Holmes for doing that. But the depth is not necessarily there yet. And so, yeah, you're going to need Tracy Walker to step up. He's He's got to come up big. Brian Branch, it's time to be ready. We need you. Um, I mean, these these guys got to be ready to go. they got to be ready to play. And um, so to go back to the original question, like, where do I have them right now? Well, if I'm being honest and I and – I, I'm willing to alter and pivot and change my opinion on things. As it stands today, yeah, I have them a tier below those three teams. I have to. They're so banged up right now. They've got to. They've certainly got to go out and beat Atlanta, and they certainly have to go and beat the Packers. Um, they just do. I mean, it's not. It's not life or death. There, if they're two and two, I mean, it's not, the season is not over. But yeah, you're about to face two more NFC opponents. One's a divisional opponent. You got to win those games. Luckily for the Lions, every other team in the NFC North lost this past weekend, so no bloodshed there. I mean, I still think that they are, in my opinion, in the driver's seat of the NFC North. I have not seen a team, Vikings, Packers, Bears, certainly not the Bears, that seem to legitimately be contenders. I mean, you could argue that um, maybe the Packers are in the conversation right now. Maybe the Vikings. I'm still not high on them. But I think that the Lions are still there, which puts them in that tier. The, the goal is still host the playoff game, win the division. I don't think that the, the expectations have changed. But you should definitely be concerned about the amount of injuries piled up right now and not like... I'll be back next week. Like, we don't know when some of these guys are coming back. And for those that we do know when they're coming back, it ain't good. It's not, the outlook is not pretty right now. Now, the defense was atrocious. I don't know how you go from last year against the Seahawks and giving up over 40 points to now giving up again this year almost 40 points. 
They treat Geno Smith for whatever reason, like he's Patrick Mahomes. I don't get it. I don't, I don't get why they don't bring pressure on Geno Smith or really any, I wouldn't even call Geno Smith a super mobile quarterback. I mean, he's mobile, but he's not a runner. They treat him that way. Like put some heat, put some heat on Geno Smith. That's what happened the week before to him. He didn't look good. They didn't put, they didn't put pressure on him. And I don't know. I mean, that's a little bit on Aaron Glenn. It's how they're using these guys on the defense, but slowly collapsing the pocket around uh, Geno Smith is, is definitely not the way to, to, to beat that team. Kenneth Walker is a great running back. I mean, he just is. Um, I think he was elusive. He was, there were some missed tackles, some sloppiness. Um, and then Jerry Jacobs had himself a game to absolutely forget. Um, I mean, he, he could have just lost this job if they, you know, once again, they're slim where they're at. Like, you know, they lost, they did not keep Sterling Thomas, who had a really good uh, preseason training camp. They did not keep him on the 53-man roster. They did not move Emmanuel Mosley to IR. That was a huge move because that means that he should be back in these first four weeks then, right? Or else you could have kept a spot. They didn't do that. And now you're hearing Dan Campbell say today, Emmanuel Mosley. I wouldn't expect him back this week. Like that, These kind of things are concerning right now. And They've got to come back in a big way um, at home. Brant, you're going to be at the game against the Falcons. I mean, we're going to get into to that game in a second. But, yeah, I, I think defensively, huge, huge concerns. A lot of things that need to get ironed out. Offensively, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting not having David Montgomery. And that's no slight to Jameer Gibbs. It's how they're using Jameer Gibbs. He's also not going to be the one-to-one replacement of Monty. So for Lions fans, they're like, well, now we're go- now we got to see more Gibbs. Well, no, not- we really don't. I don't think he's that. That's not who they brought him in to be. He's not going to be a three-down back. You're going to see a lot more Craig Reynolds. And what I hope we see is a lot more creativity with Jameer Gibbs to get him out open in space. So, the offense look good. I, I, I will say just my final point, Brian, I'll kick it over to you one last time, but um, I would give major credit to Jared Goff. Some people will laugh at that because of his pick six, and he had one of the longest streaks in NFL history of passing attempts without an interception. I think like the third longest streak. He comes back from that pick six and drives them down the field for a, you know for seven points, and I, I, I thought he looked really good. Not a flawless game, but he looked really good. Dan Campbell... Um, you got to live and die with that with that dude and how he coaches and going for it. And when it doesn't make sense, when he gets it, it's great. When he doesn't, you shake your head and you question things. And he's the only guy doing it at this clip that he's doing it and going for this stuff. What I didn't understand was when it came down to like the end of the game, why did we all of a sudden, it just seemed like they got conservative. That second to last scoring drive before they sent it into overtime, they were taking their sweet little time. Like, I'm like, let's go. Like, and and to be honest with you, like, I, I wish they would have pushed it even more on that drive where they ended up with the field goal to set it into overtime. I absolutely hate NFL overtime. It gets decided by a coin flip. Of course, I know Seattle won the game fair and square, whatever, but I just hate it. You let a coin flip decide it, they march down the field, and boom, game over. So incredibly disappointed. No, the season's not over, but I got some major, major questions right now about the Lions and these injuries. Brant, any final thoughts before we talk Falcons? Yeah, quickly, um, I hated I hated the last drive myself, Dave, as well. I thought, you know, Dan, you, you've been a gambler all, all this time, but um, I think with around 50 seconds left, in the game you get a first down and all of a sudden it's like 
We're not getting up there to snap it, to spike it, or we're not calling our timeouts. I mean, you've got three timeouts in your back pocket with 50 seconds to go. You're on the 30-yard line. Like, let's go. Don't waste 20 seconds getting a play together. It was it was bad clock management, Dave, at best. Um, and it cost them the game, really. I mean, you can say that was one of the things that cost them the game. Uh, so, uh, secondly, if you look back at last season and you you look at it came down to – the Lions missing the playoffs because Seattle had the tiebreaker on them. I know you talked about the division and winning the division, Dave. Well, something doesn't go your way. A ball doesn't bounce your way. Now you're looking at the tiebreakers again. And that's why when we transition into the Falcons game, how important the Seattle game was at home to get for the tiebreaker purposes. You have to get this one this weekend, man. You absolutely do. And Brant, the that's a perfect transition because the Falcons are overachieving. I mean, Arthur Smith, credit to him. I mean, this is not a super talented Atlanta Falcons team by any means. Um, Bijan Robinson looks like he is. I mean, I know you would agree with this. I think we have the same take. He looks like your rookie of the of the year. He's as advertised. Um, they're using him in a way, once again, which we can talk about Jameer Gibbs. They're using Bijan in a way that's making this offense really start to hum, really start to click. And guess what? They're two weeks into the season, too. So um, I, this Falcons game, to me, if you asked me two weeks ago about it, I would have said, that's a layup. You got to go win that game. Brand, I don't know what the spread is on, on, on this game. I'm, I'm imagining it's probably, a, I don't know, three, four points, five. I don't think it's five points, um, but it, it can't be that much. And, um, yeah, they're, they're going to have to be ready to play and figure out a game plan without David Montgomery in the lineup. So what are your thoughts? What do the Lions need to do to get this done? Well, you've got to start with getting pressure on Desmond Ritter. Uh, Desmond Ritter's not a very – Great quarterback. I mean, he's not going to sit in the pocket and just toss dimes all day out there. He's going to want to move around. He's going to want to get the ball to playmakers in space. He's much of a game manager. Uh, but if you get into his face, he will make mistakes, Dave. I think that's where it starts and ends with the Lions this weekend. Get that pressure up front. Get after Ritter. Make him get rid of the ball when he's not comfortable. and Get some turnovers and get it going the other way. Um, yeah, trying to stop. I don't think you stop Bijan. I think you can try to contain Bijan. Um, I don't really think they have any outside threats that really scare anybody. Drake London really hasn't popped this year. Kyle Pitts has been kind of on a milk carton. Like, there's nothing that the Falcons do out wide that the secondary can't handle. And if the secondary can't handle this offense, then we're going to have serious questions about the Jerry Jacobs of the world, the Kirby Josephs of the world, because this is this is going to be a, a relatively easier uh, matchup than going against DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and them dudes. You know what I mean, Dave Jackson Smith and Jigba? So I, I think that this is going to be – a favorable matchup for the uh, the Lions secondary and containing Bijan. It goes back to that, getting pressure on Ritter. I like your chances if that happens. Offensively, Dave, I think you and I both know they're going to do their thing. Yeah, I definitely. It starts up front. They've got to make Desmond Ritter incredibly uncomfortable um, to make things easier on the secondary, especially as you're nursing some of these injuries and now losing C.J. Gardner-Johnson back there like – 
they they've got to get pressure up front. They've got to be aggressive. They've got to make him uncomfortable. And yeah, it's a contained Bijan type of a type of a game. Um, but yeah, you you've got to go after the quarterback. You got to get some sacks. You really do. Um, it, it, it's time. And um, you know that's that's going to come down to how they scheme things up this week in in practice. And I hope they come out ready to go. Brand, I think that they will. I really do. Um, I I think that the Lions recognize Dan Campbell recognizes just how important it is right now to not especially as the injuries pile up you can't take another another one on the chin right now I think that they recognize that I hope they recognize it um and I I think that they've got a good chance to to win this game against Atlanta um any last thoughts here before we shift into Michigan football yeah Dave I'll I'll just say this 0-2 at home would be kind of unacceptable when you bring in the Seahawks and Falcons. I mean, I, that's that's teams that you're potentially pitting yourself against for playoff position. You cannot lose these home games, man, and it especially can't be at the hands of Dan Campbell making poor decisions or something like that. So please, uh, let's get it together and get this win this weekend because this is, uh, is going to be who you're going to be going against at the end of the season This is what it feels like to me. Yep. 1000% agree. All right. Let's shift into Michigan football. Um they beat Bowling Green 31 to 6. Uh just I don't know. I'm trying to get a pulse brain on how you feel about this team. Obviously JJ McCarthy had arguably the worst game of his career here at at Michigan. I mean, you can argue the TCU game because of the two pick sixes and having it being in the college football playoff. I get that. Um, but just from like beginning to, to end and, you know, throwing, going to throw the ball away out of bounds and not throwing it far enough to get picked off. I mean, just a sloppy, sloppy game. And um, now big 10 play opens up time to put your big boy pants on Rutgers physical team. You're certainly more talented than, than them, but Historically, Rutgers over the last few years seems to give Michigan a run for their money. And I know the game is is at home, uh, but Brant, I'm trying to get a, a pulse from you right now on this Michigan team. And as they wrap up what I would call the preseason of these three non-conference games, where do you think this team stands right now? Do you still think that they are in the top four um, conversation right now in college football? And the expectations still what it was, which is to beat Ohio State, win a Big Ten championship, win a national championship. Absolutely, they're still in the top four. I don't have concerns about that. I don't really have concerns about this team. I am upset about what I saw Saturday, and I think that is falls into the unacceptable category. I saw no fire. I saw no passion. I saw a bunch of guys out there that, Dave, did it look like they wanted to be there? I guess to me it looked like, hey, we have to go out there tonight and we have to play. We get it. Um, and then all of a sudden you're in a 14-6 game at half. And then that's when you start looking around and you start to press a little bit. And I think we saw some of that. And the coaching staffs, I think, are in this weird position where they want to have everybody done by the third quarter. So the fourth quarter is kind of a joke. Well, we kind of bled into the fourth quarter, and we didn't see what we wanted to with the starters anyway, Dave. And so it's been – I think this has been mismanagement, and I think it's been a little bit of because Jim Harbaugh hasn't been there. And I go back to the preseason – well, 
before the season began, Dave, I had said, I don't like the fact that we're going to use four different head coaches in three games. I don't think that was the good call. I know that you were kind of on the other side, like, let's see what each one of these guys have. No, I, I would rather have one voice, one guy making decisions on, hey, I'm going to play these guys until then. It's my call. Everybody else kind of fall in line. I don't know. I didn't love that. Uh, and I think what we saw on Saturday night was kind of a culmination of that. Where is the JJ leadership? Because if he's going to be our leader, Dave, I didn't see the fire from him that I needed to see. I know it's Bowling Green, but you only get 12 of these. You know, it, it's, it's, it's a showcase every time you go out there. I don't care who you are playing, but for to, okay. So the one Dave, you're right. He didn't make it far enough out of bounds. So he got intercepted. Embarrassing throw. Really? I'm, I want to talk about the one he threw to Cornelius Johnson where Roman Wilson was clearly wide open. That was a bad play from JJ. Like he needs to get criticized for that and he needs to clean that sort of stuff up and he needs to be upset with himself. And I don't think I saw that uh, really enough or maybe, you know, Blake, Blake seemed to be consoling him when it felt like someone needed to go over to him and be like, yo, get it together, dude. Because he made the play after that. That was, there was a play where he scored a touchdown, but Dave, both of us can agree that should have probably been an interception. Like, that was another bad play by J.J., and I don't think if anybody was getting through to him or he didn't have his pregame meditation routine down, whatever it was, that was not it. And if you play like that against Rutgers, you will either be in overtime or you will lose. Like, I'm just – I'm straight up with it. Like, if J.J. throws three interceptions, you will you will lose to Rutgers. I, I'm convinced of that. That is – I know that probably sounds hot take-ish, but – don't trot that effort out there on Saturday and expect to win. Yeah, well, Brandon, you saw it across college football. It wasn't just Michigan. I mean, Georgia did not look good. Alabama, but they're playing did South Carolina. <laughs> like right. at I least know. they're playing I know. another. I know. You know, it's just Bowling Green is unacceptable to have that performance. One one thousand percent. My my. What I was going to say is that it was a weird week for college football. I I feel like. Michigan, this team, for as loaded as they are with talent, and we haven't seen them fully healthy yet, and we might not. I really don't know when we're going to see, if we're going to see Rod Moore, when Will Johnson's going to not play four snaps and some weird, I'm just, I don't understand that. But this team is, although winning these games, and, and you can laugh at the fact like why are we getting mad about 20 30 point wins or them you know because they didn't cover the spread it's not that it's kind of what you're talking about like they're they're just missing like that swag that they have had like that energy that and the big house was like pumping man they got the new led lights they're singing mr brights i mean what an environment and the team just didn't seem to echo that and that concerns me more than anything and is that the absence of Jim Harbaugh? I mean, I guess we'll find out, right? Like, we are about to find out just how important, or not, Jim Harbaugh is to, to, to this team. And all the scrutiny that he's been under and scrutiny he's brought on to himself. What, I mean, you can argue this suspension, um, but even the, the flirting with the NFL and this and that. And I've been in the camp at times where I've said, like, okay, see ya, dude. You don't want to be here. Like, I don't want you here. But then you watch these first few weeks and it's like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe this Harbaugh effect, I mean, we'll find out if this looks like a different team. But these first three weeks have not been it. 
Bowling Green was just a culminating effort of just poor effort these first few games. They do not look like the team that was advertised this things that I'm majorly concerned about. I will. Yeah. JJ needs to clean this up. That was a horrible game from him. Nobody can argue that I'll give him the benefit of the doubt in that. I just believe deep down that he is better than that game that he put out there. He cannot make those mistakes again. Like that's, that's it. You've used that pass and I'm glad you use it against Bowling Green, but we cannot have that again because they will lose to some other big 10 teams that they're not supposed to lose to Rutgers, Maryland, Minnesota, like those are games you're going to lose if you turn out uh, in an effort like that. I'm concerned about this offensive line that has been touted as the best in the country. I mean, back-to-back Joe Moore awards and this year they're so deep and they've got these transfers come in and it's like, this is going to be the best offensive line of these last three years of the Jim Harbaugh era. They just, they have not looked They've not looked great. Like Miles Hinton seems soft. Like I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with the offensive line, but you would think by week three, you would start to clean that up. Like, I don't love that. We have not seen a clean game from that old line and we're heading into, we've now played 25% of the season, right? Like that is three of the 12 games have been played. Like it's time for things to start clicking. I, I, because I am starting to get concerned. I am, especially when, you want to go and, and even play a, a team like Penn State, who's going to play you really physical. I mean, you may not be worried about them or whatever, but like you're, you're, this O-line was supposed to be it. I, I think this defense is good. I'm not super concerned about the defense outside of the injuries, but the O-line's a huge question mark. Brent, what's going on with Donovan Edwards? I love the Don. He's had a horrible year. Um, he does not look like himself. I know it's three games. The burst doesn't seem there. He's he's not breaking the runs that he did last year. I, I said last week, like I don't think he just got worse from last year, but when you go out and start talking in the offseason about changing the game at the running back position and this and that, like, dude, can you back that up, please? Like, we, we need you right now. And if there were games to get things going or to boost that resume, probably in these first three weeks of the season. Now, Blake Corum, uh, a positive is he looked better to me um, against Bowling Green. It almost seems like each game he's getting a little bit of that shiftiness back, a little bit of that burst back, looks a little bit more like Blake Corum, and so that has me optimistic. But, man, they they need Donovan Edwards in whatever role that is, you know, whether it's a wide receiver or you know part-time running back, whatever. They need him to, to step up. Um, yeah, I just... A lot left to be desired. Um, they yeah, got to get Colson Loveland involved. I mean, he's, in my opinion, one of the top tight ends in the country. True sophomore. Like, it just hasn't looked good. And I don't know if it's like Sharon Moore is doing too much. He's like doing the head coach stuff, but he's also in charge of the O line and the play that's calling. Where I don't like, it. I, I don't understand uh, yeah. why we're doing that. Like, that seemed like, why are you putting all that on his plate to do that? Um, again, back to the mismanagement of why we did the three head coach thing. Like, if you want Mike Hart to be the head coach for three games, just let him do it. Jesse Minter, same thing. Like, I I have a major problem with how all of this was handled, and I feel vindicated by the three games of saying that was a calamity, kind of. Like, it turned out to be 
what's going on with Donovan Edwards? We can't get an answer. He doesn't look like he's focused or something. Like, Dave, I know he hasn't just gotten worse, so maybe it's a mental thing with him, and maybe Blake coming back has kind of played havoc with his mindset. I get that, but someone needs to get into his ear and be like, hey, you're going to get your reps. It's fine. If it wasn't Blake Quorum, it was going to be Stokes taking the reps from you or somebody else. You know what I mean? So it's just like somebody needs to get inside his head and and figure out maybe what's going on, and uh, I hope it happens because, like you've already talked about, Rutgers is going to be a tough out. It is. Plays us tough for whatever reason. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're about to find out a lot about this. I mean, to be honest, putting my, like, football fandom hat back on, like, thank God these three games are over. Like, I'm so ready to tune in to Michigan football this Saturday and watch what I consider to be a real football game that they're going to really need to come prepared for or they will lose. I don't think that's a hot take. Like, I, they cannot bring the same effort, the same energy level. They're not going to win. So, hopefully, having Harbaugh back on the sidelines, slapping J.J. around or whatever it is he does, whatever mojo he brings to that locker room, I don't know. He wouldn't get me excited personally, but whatever that is, it's clearly missing having the the captain of the ship missing. I guess we will we'll we'll see as he returns from this three game suspension. Brant, on that note, get us out of here with the bets. Let's talk these lines. So Dave, um the first bet I put on here because how exciting was it last week? to watch that Colorado-Colorado State game. I know it came on late, but the just the juice in that game, like, as a rivalry, like, I would have never said that in any past life. I would have never been like, oh, my God, Colorado-Colorado State was an amazing game, and the rivalry had a ton of juice to it, and you could – it was palpable. Like, it was. It was <laughs> awesome. It felt like it felt like Michigan, Michigan State to me. To be honest, like it was, it was that. Except it's Deion Sanders, and he's got his mom firing up the team in the locker room before <laughs> the game. Like, just so Deion. But um, yeah, that game was awesome. I mean, I'm, sucks I'm, to see what happened to Travis Hunter, but that yeah, was. I'm uh, really glad you awesome said game. that though, because it does remind me of Michigan, Michigan State. I hadn't thought of that, but like, you know how sometimes like the venom between Michigan and Michigan State fans seems, like, more vicious than Ohio State-Michigan. Like, that's what that felt like. That felt like an in-state rivalry game. We hate each other's guts. Our coaches are talking smack to each other. It was awesome. And what it was terrible what happened to Travis Hunter. That's a cheap shot. That kid should have been kicked out of the game for sure. But, like, don't tell me that Colorado State isn't going to play that on their Jumbotron when they get back home about, like, <laughs> you know, in their highlight reel of, like, to pump their crowd up. Like, that's going to happen. So, um, anyway, so Colorado heads to Oregon, a, a real football team, not not really what you would consider Nebraska or um, – Colorado State, they're going to take on a really good Oregon team up in Autzen. Dave, you know that's a tough place to play. Oregon, 21-point favorites at home. Do you like the Ducks to cover? I'll take Colorado plus 21 um, just because I, I – I mean, it, I don't know. I mean, I that line is probably fair, especially with Travis Hunter being out. Um, I think Shadur Sanders is, like, just good enough to keep them – around in this game not so sure they win it 21 points is a lot it is a tough place to play they're going against an experienced quarterback in Bo Nix but 
Got to believe in Coach Prime to at least keep this close. Like, I guess I'll be surprised if they come out and just get completely embarrassed um, like this spread is indicating. What about you? Dave, I'm also going to rock with you on the 21. I just think that's just too many points for all the reasons that you just said. I do like Oregon to win the game. I have a feeling that you you feel that way as well. Um, But I will take the points with Colorado. Um, All right, Ohio State heading to Notre Dame. Dave, I don't know how you feel, but I think this is the game of game of the first half of the season. Like I know oh, we yeah. get to the end outside of outside of Texas and Alabama. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that maybe both of these teams could be better than Alabama right now. Um, so, Dave, what do you think about the Irish getting three points at home? Well, okay, I'm gonna. I, I'm going to. Take Ohio State to cover the three points. I'm going to lead with that, but we're about to learn a lot. As a Michigan fan, we're about to. Le- you should be too. Every Michigan fan should be watching this game because I'm not going to call Notre Dame poor man's Michigan team because that's a, a true disrespect to them. They've been very good, but they play similar type of ball. They're going to be tough in the trenches, and you're going to learn a lot about this Ohio State team and how they respond. Yes, you'll learn a lot about Kyle McCord and you know in a tough environment and, and all of that. But really, what's Ohio State been called these last couple of years as Michigan's rolled over them? They've been soft. called soft. Yep, and, and you're going to learn a lot about this team. With that being said, I do think that they cover the three points. Things are starting to click for them. Their offense is starting to look like the Ohio State offense. Marvin Harrison Jr., Mecca Abuka. I mean, what can I say? Yeah, I, I will take them to cover the three points, but I'm curious to know what you think. So I originally was a hard Ohio State lean just because what I saw on Saturday, okay, they look like they're back to normal. This looks like a bunch of Marvin Harrison running wide open, sort of stuff like that. But I can't get out of my mind how good Sam Hartman's been. And I feel like no matter what Ohio State wants to do, you want to flip this into a track meet? I think Notre Dame can do that. You want to flip this into a slugfest? I believe that Notre Dame can do that. I really feel like Notre Dame can beat you in a variety of ways where I'm not sold Ohio State can get into a slugfest and win. I don't think they can get tough yards. I've seen... (laughs) Although it was Navy, I watched Notre Dame get tough yards. I watched them have success on the ground. I saw them stop a ground attack in no, uh, in Navy. Like, I don't think that um, Navy's offensive line is so much worse than maybe Ohio State's offensive line. Like, I think that Ohio State still has offensive line questions. I think that Kyle McCord still has much more questions about him than uh, Sam Hartman does. I like the quarterback battle here for Sam Hartman to go in his favor. I like the home field advantage, Dave. I think that if I'm going to get three points plus the home field advantage, I'll take that. I'll, I'll I take hope you're three. right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can still be right and still have Ohio State win. Like, I just love having the three points with the with the night game at home. That place is going to be. You think Ford Field's going to be nuts Saturday. South Bend is going to be just as nuts, I feel like, dude. So uh, give me Notre Dame and the points at home. I'll just say it here, Dave. I like them to win outright. Why not? Go get me that win, Notre Dame. All right, Dave. So here's an interesting thing. 
I sat here and I watched all of Illinois Penn State on Saturday afternoon because I really wanted to get a feel for what Penn State was. And I think that I have a good feeling of what Penn State is. And I think Penn State is Penn State is Penn State as Penn State has been. Like, I think this is the same version of what we had the last five years of Penn State. So uh, Iowa traveling to Penn State, you know how it is for the whiteout game. You watch it every single year. We watch it every single year. Our boy Cade McNamara <laughs> heading into that hornet's nest. Penn State 14.5-point favorites, Dave. Cade McNamara has not looked good, just to to put that out there. He has not had a great start to his his Iowa career. Um, I, Iowa, Brent, I don't know if you saw Iowa try to reach 40 points last week that it happened for like the first time in like <laughs> four years. They have to try so hard, dude. <laughs> dude, do you know that Brian Ferentz, has something in I'm his aware. contract. I'm okay. aware. I'm well aware. But you can tell the people. Yeah. You can tell the people because it's kind of funny. Yeah, he's got. I don't know exactly what it is, but he's got to average like a certain number of points, points per game on offense. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, that's okay. what it is. But but here's the goofy thing about it, Dave, is that the defensive points count towards the 26 that he has to average to right. get his bonus. That's what. That's outrageous. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks, Dad, for hooking me up with that contract. Yeah, whatever. It's just funny to me that that's even a thing, but probably a good idea for Iowa. Brant, 14.5 points. Um, although it is difficult to play at Penn State and it will be a whiteout, Iowa football is also Iowa football. They're going to want to keep this thing um, close, low scoring, and I. I'm going to take the under, whatever that is. I have not seen it, but I think they keep it within 14.5 points. So I will take Iowa plus 14.5. What about you? Dave, I am also going to grab Iowa with the 14.5. And And the reason is I don't think that Penn State is going to score a ton in this game like you had already said. I like the under as well, but I'm a big fan of – of Cade McNamara in a situation like this. I know he hasn't played great, but I think he brings some poise, some calmness probably to that offense that when they're struggling a little bit, he can make a play. I mean, you talk about non-mobile guys. Cade's not really mobile, but dude can make a play when dude needs to make a play. Also, I like Iowa's defense a lot, and I have seen Drew Allar enough to say he's not that dude. Like, he's not that guy that's going to go out and win you a game just yet. I think if you give him a couple of years, potentially he could be that dude, but he's not that dude right now. So give me Iowa in the 14 and a half. Uh, you got something you want to say over there? Nope, I'm good. Hit me okay. with the, uh, the, the right. next part of this. All right, let's head into the NFL. Falcons at Lions, like you said, Dave, I'll be there Sunday. I'm ready. Lions cover three, Dave. Lions will cover. Lions bounce back in a big way. Injury riddled, um, backs. I want to say backs against the wall, but people are talking about them now. Especially, I think the most people talking about them. It was an overtime loss, first of all. Like I don't think people are totally out on the Lions. I think a lot of Lions fans need to just cool your jets a little bit. Like let's calm down. The season is not over. I know the first part of this podcast was like doom and gloom, and the Lions this and that, and Dan Campbell and the injuries, but. 
this is a good Lions team. Um, I, I believe in the culture that they've built. I think that they are they are better than the Falcons, even with the injuries. And I, I think they bounce back in a big way. I think they win by a touchdown. I think they cover those three points. What about you? So, not a big fan. <laughs> not a big fan of the three-point spread here because it feels like it very much could end up as a push. I'd like this to be a close game. Um, I am going to grab the lines as well. I I would love two and a half. Like if I were to actually bet this, I would buy it down to two and a half and just hope the Lions win by a late late field goal that would tie it up, whatever. Anyway, I'll grab the Lions. I think just too much mojo at home. That place is going to be rocking. I know it didn't work last weekend, but Desmond Ritter, I think if you can get to him, you get the turnovers that we talked about. And this offense is good enough to beat the Falcons. So I'll take the Lions to cover. All right, Dave. Two two and O team. Two two and O teams. Uh Philadelphia Eagles traveling down to Tampa Bay this weekend. I love this game because I've been wanting to say this since the pod uh got on this year for the NFL. This is Baker's Bucks, okay? They are five and a half point underdogs at home. Give Baker, give that man some respect. Right. I do not know what's going on with the Bucks and Baker Mayfield and how in the world they are 2-0. But they are. But they are. Um, the Eagles also, although good, um, they're not they're not elite right now. Um, five and a half points at home. If you would have asked me a week or two ago, I'd be taking the Eagles all day and jumping on this like yesterday. But the Bucks are just, they're just like that weird Cinderella team right now. I do not see them continuing this, by the way, throughout the rest of the year. But for right now, at home, five and a half points, and their 2-0 seems slightly disrespectful to Baker and the boys. I will take the Bucks. What about you? Dave, I'm going to grab the Eagles here. Um, I just think that eventually this magic has got to stop for the Bucks. I know it's only been two games, whatever, but I don't believe they are that good. I think the Philly, they were really blowing the Vikings out there for a hot second. I mean, they were up 20 points, Dave. They kind of got a little loose with it, whatever. I believe that Philly is Philly still. Like, I think they go down there and they kind of hammer the Bucks this weekend. Um, okay, Dave. Lock it up time. So last week you made a great point, and it kind of reminded me of what we talked about last year in the NFL. I think like for the first few weeks you and I were kind of discussing, are the Dolphins the best team in the NFL? Like that was a serious conversation that we had last year. Tua gets hurt, all of a sudden everything's upside down for them. Still made the playoffs, whatever. Dave, do you think that the Dolphins could potentially be the best team in the NFL right now? Potentially, yeah. I, I don't. Okay. I'm not. I don't know if I'm Are sold on tier? that defense yet, but that offense is just insane. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, are you sold that they're like a top five NFL team right now? Yes. Okay. I don't know why they're only six and a half point favorites at home against the Broncos, but I think the Broncos are are a dumpster fire. Uh, that lead that just slipped away from them when they played the Commanders. This, yeah, Dave, you're shaking your head. That was really ugly, really bad. And uh, don't give me some Hail Mary from Russell Wilson. Garbage. I don't care. 
I think the Broncos are in a bad way right now. I don't think Sean Payton likes Russell Wilson. I'm not sold that anybody likes Russell Wilson right now. Um, so give me the Dolphins to lock it up this weekend. Six and a half. I think they cover that against the the traveling Broncos to Miami. Okay. I like it. I'm high on I'm high on the Dolphins too. We'll have to see. The lock of the week's been pretty, pretty good lately. So hop Three on one this that. year. Let's go. Hop on that. All right. On that note, thank you for sticking with us here on Garage Takes. Make sure that you like, follow, subscribe to the podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Please do that for us. Leave us a five-star review, too. Positive comment. It goes a long way. And if you have not done so already, make sure that you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give us a like over there as well. Share it out. Share it with other people that are interested in talking about Lions, Michigan football, NFL college football, everything in between. We appreciate you. We will see you next time, hopefully talking about a Lions uh, bounce-back victory against the Falcons. Powered by Riverside.